The Sports Career Podcast, episode 239. What's it take to pursue a career in sponsorship in the football industry? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. My goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports marketing. I hope this episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Michael Jackson. Michael is the CEO of Elite Sports Marketing UK, where he specialises in working with sports clubs and brands so they build beneficial partnerships with each other, such as front of shirt partnership deals, stadium naming rights, and much more. For that reason, it's brilliant to have Michael as a special guest on the show, and that's when today's episode, Michael will share his sports career journey and explain to you what does it really take to pursue in sponsorship, particularly in the football industry. Michael, it's such a privilege to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I started my company just four years ago. Um, so we're a reasonably uh, new company, um, but we've had a lot of success in the, in a very short period of time. It started, um, I should probably go back when I was 24, I'm now 43 to give you some idea of timeline. Uh, I started my own business-to-business telemarketing company. Basically fell into it as a sort of part-time job, realized I was actually quite good at it. So I um, started my own company when I was 24, uh, did that for 14 years. But about halfway through, um, I was getting quite bored with it. And I thought, well, okay, who do I want to work with? So I started calling up football clubs to see if they needed any telemarketing doing. Uh, I, I didn't have a clue what, but I asked the question anyway. Uh, and, and yeah, it basically turns out that they did need help. Um, and uh, we were helping promote everything from season tickets to Christmas parties to all types of stuff. And it was from that I started getting phone calls from clubs saying, hey, Michael, we've got a front of shirt for next season. Can you help? And my initial response was, well, yeah, if you want to pay us to do the telemarketing, we'll, we'll happily do it for you. So that was my first kind of introduction to the sports world. And eventually, once I decided I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I've made enough contacts over that time to kind of get to understand the industry, to ask questions. Uh, And I thought, you know what, I've spent most of my life doing business development. So for me, it's just a change of products that I have to kind of go through here. Um, And yeah, and and then so I set up Elite Sports Marketing four or four and a half years ago. Uh, and it was the best decision I ever made. Just going back in time, I'm really intrigued. I'm 27, and I'd love to hear your thoughts of what you learned with your first business when you started at the age of 24 with that first telemarketing business. What did you learn from those 14 years out of interest? 
I, I think in the early years, I was quite, and it was probably myself more than anything else, I was quite aware of how old I was, right? I was 24 years old and a managing director of my own business. And back then, when I was 24, which would be, what, um, early 2000s, um, I'm not doing the maths very well, um, but there wasn't many 24-year-old owners of businesses about. So when you're walking into, and I'll give you a perfect example, I, one of my first clients was a company called Gartner Research. Now, Gartner are a ginormous company. And I walked into the building where I was having a meeting and uh, I walked in there in this beautiful building. They, you know, they even had a tree in the middle of uh, the building. So you, you're just thinking, wow, I've never seen anything like this. Um, they had a coffee shop, I can't remember if it was Starbucks or whatever, within the building. So I turned around to the guy and asked the question, I said, so, you know, which, floors, which floor is Gartner on? Assuming that this massive place was a mix of different businesses. And he said, all of them. And it was just like, okay, I've made myself look like a right moron here. Uh, and I went back and did a little bit more research, which I should have done in the first place. I got the deal, but um, yeah, they are, a, you know, a multi-billion pound organization. But, and I, so I think I'm, what I learned in the early years is to kind of get over my own anxieties of being a young business owner because people don't people buy from people right if they believe in you and i remember asking the question a little while afterwards you know why why did you choose my company over everyone else and he said well i could hear the passion in your voice so i think if you're passionate about something that typically overrides any sort of issues that people may have with you so yeah, running my own business from a very young age felt complicated, but actually it really wasn't. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do. It's all about business development. It, it, it always is. It's a numbers game. Because you could be the best web designer in the world, bar none, the best, number one. But if you can't market your own business, you're going to fall flat on your face. So for me, no matter what you do, you know, building that business via you know, marketing activity, um, and, and the different sort of ways of selling your business is really what you need to be good at. By the way, I hopefully agree what I'm about to say, but it's exactly the same if you're applying for a role because you're still selling yourself. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because you talked about when you were young and I've been there myself due to our age, we feel like we need to prove something. Um, and we have those fear factors as well. So just to clarify what you've just said is exactly the same when pursuing a career, if you're, going for a job or a role with the passion sides important and also doing your research. Um, I just love to hear your thoughts because by the sounds of things, you've always been a business owner, not a, an employer. That makes sense. But what I highlight to the listeners, it's still applicable. It absolutely is applicable because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, people reach out to me all the time, uh, typically via LinkedIn, asking if there are any opportunities available, etc. And rarely do I look at a CV. Could not care less most of the time. Um, because what I'm really interested in, in is the person. How, how do they react? Are they nervous? Are they confident? Are they cocky? Are they arrogant? All those kind of traits that you want to really understand straight from the get-go, because you can, you can sense a CV, you can turn up an interview and be really polite and answer all the correct questions, but guess what? You're one of probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, all applying for the same job, all doing exactly the same thing. So what really sticks out for me is when people have, like I said, that, that, that sense of passion, that sense of um, 
because again, you know, you can go go on courses. And I talk to people who are, you know, students learning sports management. That's fantastic. That's great. That really does give you a foundation to go from. But nothing gives you more experience than experience itself. So you know, I say to people, if you've got the opportunity, given obviously the current climate, see if you can do some un unpaid internship where you spend you know three months at a club maybe across three different divisions. So each month doing something different, retail uh, and ticketing, sponsorship and hospitality and find out what you like because it's, it's amazing how many people actually go for, for a job or desperately to work in the sports industry. They get in and it's not what they expected it to be at all. So it's very important to kind of gain real life experience. And if you can find a way to do that, fantastic because it is hard it is difficult out there but for me when i'm looking at people i'm looking for passion i'm looking for um people who are willing to grind you know and, and and work hard because you know it's it's a fantastic industry to work for but it, but it's no easy to do which is something i'll probably come on to a little later just with regards to this word passion as you pre guess my podcast show it's used a lot um could you define what you mean passion because i've had other guests one guy called paul brighton said for me if you want to work for me i want that person to pick up the phone late at night and ho hopefully solve a problem uh, that's where i see the passion when they're working for me so there's just an example that sticks out of what you're saying but could you define what you mean passion and work in the sports industry yeah absolutely because yeah passion is such an easy word uh, to use and, and and it's a great example that you, you use there uh, you know we're all passionate because you know we're all football fans or rugby fans or cricket fans and you know your team uh is you're very passionate about but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about the understanding of for me the sponsorship industry and, and how sponsorship works and understanding what it what is important when you're talking to a brand about the relationship that you're, you're trying to build so it's a it's about it's about that that passion to kind of actually get involved to kind of you know really look for the insights in regards to when a brand is looking for an opportunity we don't want to be throwing anything and everything at them we want to really understand what they're trying to achieve what they want from a potential sponsorship partnership deal and and working with the club to, to to make that happen so it's about it it's about a lot of things but you can really get that quite quickly from the right people you know you'll know and i found that i've, I've the people that i brought on board really are passionate about the whole thing from start to finish from you know going out there and finding brands who are interested in sponsorship to then understanding what they what their requirements are and what they what, what they want and then, you know, portraying that to the club and speaking with the club and working with the club to make that proposal the best proposal possible and just delivering the whole thing. Um, and so, yeah, passion is massively important and, and it's not necessarily about a passion for sport itself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I hope the listeners are taking notes. There's one phrase I want to go into a little bit more. You said it a couple of times is working in sports is a numbers game. Could you just explain what you mean there? I'm really intrigued. With that phrase you used yeah so it is a numbers game but then I, I i say life is a numbers game you know whether you know you're looking for a husband or wife right you've got to go for a certain number of girlfriends or boyfriends uh, to to experience you know what what you like what you don't like you know um and eventually hopefully you'll find the one um so everything's a numbers game but in this industry 
it, it very much is a numbers game because there are plenty of agents and agencies out there and then you've got the clubs directly themselves and you're all probably reaching out to a large number of the same people so you've got to differentiate what you do and how you do it with how those clubs um, and other agents are now i've done a couple of things that i've really set as a side which again i can go into but it it really is um about going out there reaching the right people speaking to the right people heads of sponsorship head of marketing head of partnerships head of global sponsorship head, you know they've all got different titles and but they all essentially mean the same thing um and and you know once and we've had experience ourselves you know we, we've done deals where we've announced the deal and then all of a sudden every club and every agent and every agency and not only after that brand that we've done a deal with because the brand typically says wow since we've announced we've had so many calls coming in um that that particular industry will then start be hounded because the expectation is that well if that company within that industry is doing it maybe some of the others want to so it is it's a complete numbers game and you'll be amazed how many times you know you'll speak to clubs who are already speaking to the same brands that you are so it's a fight to who who kind of gets it first um but yeah it's it's a numbers game absolute numbers game before we talk about today's podcast topic the one thing i like to do is share how i got connected with you because my next sort of theme question is about building a network in the sports industry so Michael and I were already connected on LinkedIn. I should have sort of said hi the first time, but we actually got connected properly on Clubhouse. And I was really intrigued with regards to Michael, what he does in the sponsorship world. But when I look at Michael and the work he does, for me, I look at him as the shirt sponsors expert. That's how I looked at you when I saw you on LinkedIn and the great work you're doing. With regards to networking, and you said a bit earlier on, how important is one building that network but building those meaningful conversations and if possible could you share that linkedin strategy you use when building connections in the sports industry yeah so i've been on linkedin since 2007 right so i've been on there a fair bit of time and my natural assumption was you press connect to as many people as possible um if they had the right job title, it did, you know, it didn't matter whether you knew the company or knew what they even did, you just hit the connect button, right? Um, and over the years, obviously, I kind of realized that's not really the way it, it works um, because you get no real value out of that. So it's got to be people that are relevant to you, but that you're also relevant to them. So I went through a process of cleaning up my LinkedIn uh, profile and clean, cleaning up my LinkedIn contacts and disconnecting with, with thousands of people. Um, to make sure that, you know, when I'm looking at my feed, I'm not seeing irrelevant, you know, information, irrelevant posts, irrelevant comments, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I see a lot of people complaining that they get, you know, some of these garbage posts, well, double click on the picture to, to do this. And I don't get any of that. All these, you know, quotes that people just spam quotes out every day that they find somewhere else. I don't see the value to anyone for that. You know, they might get thousands of likes, but no one's buying the product or service. They're just liking a comment. So I'm, I try to make my connection base relative. So, you know, I've got clearly you know, hundreds and hundreds of connections, if not thousands uh, within the sports world <clears throat> for obvious reasons at clubs from the Premier League, NFL, you know, right across the board. Um, and then, you know, a majority of my connections are also 
companies, brands who are interested in sport or sport sponsorship, sport partnership. So it really is about connecting and making it relevant. I think if you're using LinkedIn, using LinkedIn correctly, you're liking and commenting on other people's posts. You've got to be seen. You've got to be relevant. Uh, I think that's really important. Uh, I love LinkedIn. You know, I would say, and I think I'm underestimating, but I would say at least 80 80% of my deals initially started from LinkedIn, a connection on LinkedIn. Hi, how are you doing? This is what we do, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Cufflink, Southampton, Allianz. We did the England Allianz deal, England rugby um, Allianz deal, which included the, the title right for, for the women's league, um, the Premier 15s. And that conversation initially started on Allianz, so, uh, on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's amazing. It's an amazing platform, and there's nothing else like it. And and I would, I would tell everyone to be using LinkedIn as, as much as they possibly can. Uh, it's a fantastic tool for, for. It has been a fantastic tool for me. And and like I say, it's just about being relevant. People want to know what deals we've done. So you know, we post about the front of shirts that we do. Although we do do other deals as well, but the front of shirts are obviously the big ones. And yeah, it's it's. I don't try to step outside. Um, what I do, right? There's no point in me talking about search engine optimization. Not an area I know much about, not an area that I'm an expert in. So I don't step outside too much. But uh, I, I've also changed my, we, I have a company page, um, like most companies do. But at the beginning of last year, we I moved it to a kind of jobs board, if you like, because um, we weren't use. I wasn't using it much anyway, because I, I felt that my personal brand was much stronger than the company brand. So I've continued, obviously, with my personal brand, and, and that, that's where most of my stuff goes. But now I just post jobs within the sports sector to my company page, and what was, you know, a couple of hundred people is now, you know, I think about five thousand people now follow that page. So because times are tough, right? And I just want to be able to give something back to be able to share those the roles that I see from, you know, major corporations to sports teams to to a mix of others, but relevant stuff to to my kind of network. Just following up on this point, you say use LinkedIn as a tool. Do you see it more of as an asset? You know, for people, students who haven't got their LinkedIn sorted out, you said it already, you've got a good personal brand page on LinkedIn, but really, how has it been more of an asset looking back with from a business standpoint? We'll put it this way. Um, I, I turn the computer on. I open out Outlook, I open uh, Firefox, and I sign into LinkedIn. It's literally one of the first things I do when I sit down at my desk. LinkedIn, if you're using LinkedIn and you're using it properly, it should be on all day um, because you just never know what the relevance is. But yeah, it, it is It is so much a part of the business tool that, that I have, a major part of the business tool that I have um, in, in regards to business development, staying in communication with, with, with connections, et cetera. Like you'll be amazed how many people will message me and say, hey, Mike, I want to talk to you about, you know, potentially doing some sponsorship in, in sport. Can we, can we have a call? And, you know, I've, I've got tens of thousands of connections on LinkedIn. And so, you know, you don't know everyone by name, right? So you'll get on a call with them and they'll say, oh, I've been following you for ages. And, you know, I saw you do this before. You... And you're just like, well, I, I don't know anything about you because you don't comment, you don't like on any of my stuff. But there are probably thousands within my network that will literally follow what I do every single time I post, but don't comment and like. So don't think that just because you've got three likes and two comments, that that is everyone. Um, 
I don't fully understand why people don't like and comment if they are literally watching all the time. Um, but you know, each to their own. My only, and it's not LinkedIn. My only issue with LinkedIn, and I, I get it, and and you know, and I, I think a lot of people will 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 be nodding their head to this is when people don't respond to direct messages. So you can see that they've seen it and they may not be interested. That's absolutely fine, right? We all get, you know, sales pitches or whatever it is and we're not interested. And let's just say you can't even be bothered to type a message back. LinkedIn provides you with three options. You can literally press the button once and it replies for you saying, no, thank you, Michael. So I get a little bit frustrated why people have gone to the effort to go to the private messaging to look at the message and then simply not respond. I, I just, you know, a bit of courtesy. So that, but I, I know most of your listeners will be agreeing with that. Put it that way. Absolutely. Um, I want to get to today's podcast topic because I think what you're doing is fascinating, but most importantly, it's where the industry is going forward with regards to sponsorship. With regards to today's podcast topic, what qualities do you need to pursue a career in modern sponsorship in the football industry? Um, we, we touch on passion, so I, I won't I won't really sort of repeat myself there. But you 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 need to have a a strong backbone, right? You need to you need to understand that you know a lot of people are going to say no, and that's no different to any job in sales anywhere else, really. But I think one of the positives you have is that. 99% of the people that you speak to will have a passion for sport in some form. You know, they're a football fan, they're a rugby fan, they're a cricket fan, they're a squash fan, they're a cycling fan. Most people have a passion for sport in one form or the other. So it's not as difficult uh, a conversation to have with people. Um, but what I think what I think you need to do is build your own little niche in regards to the conversations you're having. So some people use humour. I use humour all the time. Um, you know, when I first get on a call with a brand, one of the first things I say is, you know, great to, you know, great to talk, but listen, you know, what football team do you support? Who, you know, who do you support? And if it's not the same um, club as mine, I essentially rip into them. You know, so, you know, I'll say, well, this call isn't going to go very well at all then, you know, and they'll laugh and they'll say, well, what team do you support? And, and, and it just breaks down barriers. So I, I, I think you've got to look at yourself and, and understand what you're really good at and then use that to your benefit. Maybe you're good at analysis and analyzing data and things like that. That's the conversation. That should be where you lead the conversation. If you're getting into the industry or you're looking to get into the industry, I think you have to be aware that you are going to face, you know, some, you know, a lot of negatives. You're going to face a lot of no's, but you've, you've really just got to have the energy and the passion to you know, let that go and move on, move on to the next one. You'll get to, you'll, you'll have situations where you'll have a deal on the table. Expectation is it's going to be signed. Everyone's happy. And then for some reason or another, the deal dies. And you just have to kind of have that resilience to sort of pat yourself down and move on to the next one. You can't hold grudges. You can't swirl in that kind of negativity. You've got to move on. It's a very small industry, really. I mean, most people know most people you know um, everyone in the football industry knows everyone else same with rugby same with cricket same with nfl etc etc so you know it's a, it is a great industry to work in i mean you know you get up in the morning you talk about sport all day and you get paid for it you know you you can't moan about it of interest you said right from the beginning you've been doing this for four years and it's been successful is it that mindset of resilience 
reflecting out of interest that has supported you in the work you're doing in this sponsorship sector? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm I'm naturally a confident person anyway. Uh, And as you can probably tell, I can talk nonstop. And, you know, it's just what I've done my my whole adult life, really. It's always been about talking. It's always been about selling, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm actually selling something I'm passionate about. So resilience is is massively important. And and I probably deal with it really, really well. I'm quite good at just shaking myself down and going, okay, what's next? I'm always thinking about the next thing, right? So I built this sponsorship platform because, you know, one of the things I was sick of doing, and I'm sure brands are sick of hearing, is you call up a brand, you say, hi, you know, this is the opportunity. This is something of interest to you. They say no. And I go, okay, well, we've also got this. What about that? No. Okay, uh, what about this? No, what about this? And you could, it's just constantly repetitive, right? And from their point of view, they're hearing it from me and another agent, another agencies, and other football clubs and rugby clubs and cricket clubs. So it's a constant, you know, flow from a brand's point of view of pitches at them. So I thought, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get in that, you know, I don't want to get in that queue of people lining up to pitch to people who have literally no interest uh, whatsoever. So I built an online platform, which is invite only, so it's not kind of available to the web because obviously we have to um, think about the clubs and because obviously we share fees and terms and things like that. So it's not something we can share with a big wide world, but the, the idea of the platform simply is that we have brands on there and they go in and they can look at the opportunities we currently have by league, so Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, Rugby Union, Rugby League, NFL, well, the USA is a section of its own. So they're all separated. You go into Premier, uh, Premier League, you can see all the opportunities are in there. We've even got a front of shirt section. So if you're only interested in, in main exposure on the front of the shirt, you click on that section and you can see all the front of shirts that we've got, which is great, right? So you can see that, you know, Southampton's front of shirt is available for X amount a year. It's a three-year deal. There's a presentation uh, and the rest of it. Great, fantastic. But then my attitude was, how do we make this better? So then we uh, started adding the social numbers, right? Because brands want to know, you know, what is the reach of that particular club? So you can see, you click a button and it shows you Southampton's, you know, Facebook, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Fantastic. Okay, but how do we make this better? So we added a video section. So you could see the club's promo video and, you know, it's a high octane and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. How do we make this better? And one of the most recent things that, that I've done was add a shirt preview section. So the club would provide us with a shirt with no brand on the front. So it was a blank Southampton shirt, as an example. Um, and we were able to uh, get all the logos of the brands that are on our platform and make them see-through. That's not a technical term, obviously. But the idea is that we automatically now are able to place their logo on every shirt that we have on the platform. So they can immediately see what their brand looks like on the front shirt of Southampton. Once we've had from brands like Kia and Renault and Allianz and Barclays has been, this is amazing. Because no one to this day has provided a platform where it's non-intrusive. They're not being called every five minutes or emailed every five minutes. You're interested in this. It's all there. So it's almost a case of we basically said, look, you're interested in sport. You're interested in sports sponsorship. Here's the platform. All the opportunities are there. You click yes. We'll have a conversation. If you don't, nothing happens. 
and brands just love it they love it so it's it's that it's about that's what i'm passionate about how do i change things where things have been so simple and, and and almost generic for the last 50 years so little has changed in the way people do things other than the technology itself that when when i come up with that idea it just it just was a game changer i hate using that phrase but it, it was you know nothing like it exists in the market there are some other agencies that you can go to their website and it says front of shirt premier league seven million click here to to find out more that's not really what we've built i find this fascinating i really hope the listeners enjoy it and michael thank you so much for sharing because it seems like you've changed the psychology of the sales process which everything we do is a process and i find that really interesting out of interest what have you enjoyed from your career journey looking back in business but particularly in the last four years fantastic question um I think, again, I go back to that phrase I used earlier. I get up in the morning, I talk about sport all day, and I get paid for it. Um, I really cannot make that any more succinct, really. It is a fantastic thing that I do. And because I've done well in it, it's really easy for me to say that. But the people, uh, I think, is really, really the key for me because there are some wonderful people uh in in sport you know across football rugby and cricket you know i could name drop all day but you 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 don't have time but one of the people that i i really looked at when i first started my own company was a guy called ian lathwaite he was the former commercial director of bolton wanderers and wigan warriors when they were in the premier league so we're going back a few years but ian took the time to answer my stupid questions you know and he, he you know he really made the effort to kind of help me fully appreciate especially in the early days when i was getting my first deals done you know is this normal should i be doing that should i check this you know how often does that happen you know all those kind of sort of basic but random questions and then he took the time and the patience to and we built a fantastic friendship from that you know we speak on a, on a daily basis now but yeah, people like him, there are some wonderful people, you know, uh, John Scammell at Chelsea has taken the time during uh, the COVID crisis to, to to reach out to young people to kind of give his two pennies worth on the industry and what he does and how it works and the rest of it. So I've seen some fantastic things, you know, there's some, there's a owner uh, who owns a, a, both a premiership rugby team, but he also owns a League Two football club. And, you know, we're messaging on WhatsApp, you know, Four years ago, you know, I I would have pinched myself, you know, the, when I got an email from Real Madrid. Now I'm on WhatsApp with them and PSG, you know, and, and it's so you kind of this amazing world that you kind of always seen from the outside. When you're inside, you know, it's it's fantastic. I, I literally can't knock it, but the people make the difference because you know if you've got good people, Southampton are a great example. I've worked with them a couple of times now. You know, if I ask for something, they deliver. You know, they're quick, they're, you know, they deliver what I need for, for my client. So it's those kind of clubs who are proactive rather than reactive. They're, it's incredible. You know, it's, I can message, whether it's be WhatsApp or email, Real Madrid, and I'll get a response in five minutes. There are elite two teams who won't reply at all or will take two weeks to, to respond. And you're like, well, you know, that's why, that's probably why you're not making that much money because if it takes that long to respond to a potential opportunity, you know, people are going to move on. So, but in general, you know, there are some great people in sport and, um, 
you know, I, I've got a lot of time for, for a lot of the people. And, you know, I'm also sad at the same time to see some really good people lose their jobs because of, uh, because of COVID. So, but I'm, just, I'm sure they'll be back, but they're too passionate about the sport to, to kind of be gone for too long. Say thank you for the time coming on the show. I've learned a lot and you've certainly given more than two pennies worth of advice, but I'd like to finish with an inspirational question and I'd like it to be a recap of what you've already said. Um, so out of all the advice you said already on this show, what three tips would you give to a person listening right now who want to kickstart their career today in the football industry? Yeah, whether it be football or rugby or cricket, I, that's one tip would be that, actually. Um, don't necessarily just focus on football because football, rugby and cricket are essentially the same thing. Forget what's happening on the field. They all have hospitality. They all have retail. They all have ticketing. They all have sponsorship. So they all do the same things internally in regards to the commercial department. So if you're struggling, um, even if you're not struggling, widen your horizons, you know, reach out to the cricket clubs, reach out to the rugby clubs. It doesn't have to be at the highest level. Um, but, you know, once you're on the ladder, it becomes easier and easier because you've then got the experience. Um, my other, another tip would be, and it's not open to everyone, uh, is if feasible to look at an unpaid internship. Not for a particularly long time, you know, but perhaps like a, you know, reach out to clubs, especially now, again, because, you know, clubs don't have a lot of money especially the lower the leagues you go. So they will, you know, any help they can possibly get uh, is of value to them. And a lot of the clubs, and I'm thinking of the younger audience here, um, will not be fantastic at social media. They won't be fantastic at that kind of young, youthful stuff because a lot of the people within the, the smaller clubs, they'll have a commercial director and maybe one marketing executive or something like that. So there's no real concentration on building that social media um, side of things so actually a young an unpaid intern coming in looking off social media will be a godsend to the club because obviously there isn't a financial risk for them but at the same time that person then has experience right and there's nothing wrong with you know writing to a club emailing a club and saying you know unpaid internship three months maybe I do you know a, a lot of the young students that I speak to they know they want to work in sport they, they know they potentially want to work in football, but they don't know what department, right? They don't know whether they, they want to do it in sponsorship or whether they want to do it in events and hospitality or, or whatever. Maybe say to a club, I come in for three months, I do a month in sponsorship, a month in hospitality, and a month in retail and ticketing. That way, at the end of three months, you know, and maybe the caveat saying, at the end of three months, you either hire me because you like the work that I've done, or we, we you know, shake hands and go our separate ways. That way, the club has benefited for that three months of an extra hand. But at the same time, that person has got experience within the sports world. They hopefully have a better idea of what they want to do moving forward. So I think everyone benefits from that. So maybe not focus on your Manchester United and Chelsea's and Southampton's. Maybe concentrate on your Bromleys and your London Broncos and your Sheffield Eagles and uh, the kind of, you know, lower end of, of the, the elite sports world. So again, that would be an area that I would um, suggest tip. And finally, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, 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 LinkedIn. That's my advice um, because it will be a fantastic resource. You might not see that initially, but if you put the time and the effort into it and you connect with the right people, 
most people, certainly in the sports world, will connect with you. They get it. They understand that you're trying to get into it. You'll learn a lot from the posts that you see. Comment on those posts. Make an effort to be seen. But LinkedIn will become a valuable tool to you and treat it as such. Michael, that is absolutely fantastic. I hope the listeners take in those three tips, particularly the last one with LinkedIn. Out of interest, how can people interact with you online? Fantastic question. Um, so, not Twitter, because I don't hate people enough. Um, not Instagram, because I'm not pretty enough. So that really only leads LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to get hold of me. There aren't too many Michael Jacksons about, so hopefully I should... Um, come top don't try to search for me on google because i'll come up on page four billion uh but linkedin i should i should rank relatively high that is great to all the listeners listening that linkedin link will be on my website related to this blog post michael it's been a pleasure chatting with you today thank you very much no enjoy it thanks very much Ed. what a brilliant conversation with michael for me it's one i may have to re-listen again to be honest but my biggest takeaway from michael is using LinkedIn as a habit, not as a tool, which it is, not just as a social media platform, which it is, but actually as a habit with regards to how we show up, how we communicate, how we comment, how we create conversations, build relationships. It's just my biggest takeaway from Michael, just how he's so dedicated to that number one platform, which he uses to utilize business in the sports and football industry. Also, if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sponsorship, I hope you've got a better understanding in the line of work that Michael does and keeping it simple with regards to the business side. And finally, from a sports career development perspective, if you're just starting out in the sports industry, I just want to remind you and also myself the sort of the power of really putting yourself out there and there's nothing wrong by doing an internship like he mentioned where you can go somewhere for three months and really explore that team, that club in different departments to find where your niche is, to find your potential area of expertise when you get that real hands-on experience. So look, I really enjoyed that conversation. I've taken a lot from it, to be honest, and I hope you too. So really apply Michael's sports career tips today. Use LinkedIn today to your advantage relating to your brand and sports career development do it and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Michael said, get hands-on experience to discover what you like to do in the sports industry. That is how you find your niche in the industry, but most importantly, enjoy the work you do.